From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Jim Howe. This is HealthLink on Air. Doctors Brian Kloss and Joseph Capogreco, emergency physicians from Upstate University Hospital, recently returned from a medical mission trip to Haiti. We're happy to have them both here as guests to talk about it. Welcome to you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Let me start with you, Dr. Kloss. Why don't you tell a little bit about what the purpose of this trip was, how it came about? So we just returned from a trip in Haiti uh, with an organization called Health Corps Haiti. It's also known as Medical Student Missions. It's an organization that was founded in 2010 by Dr. William Forgey, uh, based on the interest of uh, several medical students in Illinois, where he lives, that wanted to get involved in providing health care in Haiti after the 2010 earthquake. Okay. Uh, how many people from upstate or from the Syracuse area went with you? This past trip, we had a total of five people that went with us. Uh, myself, this was actually my third trip to Haiti. And as a professor with the Department of Emergency Medicine, what I wanted to do was uh, find opportunities for the residents to get involved with um, going to different countries to see how healthcare is provided in those different systems. And after having gone twice, now the third trip, I was able to get funding from our department to bring with, uh, in addition to myself, three residents and one other attending physician. Where in Haiti were you located? We were in uh, basically central Haiti in a town called Verretz, uh, in the mountains, um, in a very poor area. Uh, did you see evidence of the 2010 earthquake still existing or run into areas that have maybe been restored since then? Uh, this was my first trip, so I, I really have nothing to compare it to. However, there was really destruction everywhere as far as uh, houses that were which were half finished or cracked foundations. So really, it was it was everywhere. And so you're still seeing evidence of people being homeless and destroyed buildings even now. Uh, homeless, maybe not in the sense that we would say it here, but people living in corrugated steel shelters and and homes or you know houses built out of uh, mud and, and stones and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. How did your group spend your days and your nights in Haiti? So the uh, trip is based on essentially a seven-day um, excursion to Haiti. So it starts on a Sunday and then runs until a Saturday. So the um, first day on the Sunday is usually the travel day. So there's people uh, involved with volunteering with this organization that come from around the country with the central meeting point naturally being Port-au-Prince, Haiti. So ourselves flying in from Syracuse, others flying in from Illinois, others flying in from California, other parts of the country. So on the first day, Sunday, we all arrive at the airport, usually between noon and uh, three or four in the afternoon. And then that first part of the day is spent traveling to Verretz. And again, as uh, Dr. Capogreco said, the uh, Verretz is about... Uh, 60 kilometers um, north east of uh, Port-au-Prince. So even though it's only 60 kilometers, it takes us about three and a half hours to get there by vehicle. So the first day is sort of a travel day as well. The last day is a travel day. Um, the first day coming is the Monday and we kind of spend that getting organized. We let the um, administration and doctors at the local hospital in Verrett's know that we're in town, that we're here as well to, you know, uh, do some mobile travel clinics for screening the populations for general health issues. And then uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we spend uh, going to different locations in and around the city of Verrett's, providing um, essentially uh, primary care health screenings and uh, seeing and evaluating patients. All right. Now, for 
when you were taking care of patients, what types of injuries or illnesses did you see most commonly? Let me go to you, Dr. Capogarco. Uh, it was a lot of chronic things like arthritis. Most of, most of the people that will come to our clinics were farmers or sold things in the market. So a lot of wear and tear and injuries like, uh, like arthritis. Everybody has eye problems from the sun and the dust that's rampant. Uh, a lot of skin fungal infections. Uh, and then, you know, UTIs, vaginitis, uh, those type of things as well. High blood pressure was... UTIs for urinary, urinary tract, tract infections. infections uh -huh. um, high blood pressure, I didn't see as much as uh, I'd expected, you know, mm -hmm. and compared to, you know, patients here. Uh, but then again, there's no, ob I didn't see any obesity in, in Haiti. Everybody is working class, uh, thin people for the most part. Mm -hmm. Thin in a healthy way or thin in an emaciated way? Uh, there, there's malnutrition that is, uh, that is rampant. So I would say uh, maybe a little bit of both, but mm -hmm. there is certainly a lot of, you know, decreased nutrition. Did you see any diseases you'd consider highly unusual? With, um, with Haiti, some of the things that are endemic in Haiti that we don't have here in the United States tends to be, uh, it's called soil-transmitted helminthic infections. So these are actually parasitic worm infections that get transmitted through the soil, usually through people's feet, and then the parasitic worm goes through its life cycle inside the human host. So um, worm infections that we tend to see there include ascariasis, hookworm, and something called whipworm. So if you look uh, demographically, what percentage of people in Haiti on average have one of these parasitic worm infections, it's about 25% of the population. And one of the things that we were able to do at this last trip was uh, to provide some deworming of uh, the patient population there. There's a, a simple medication called albendazole, whereas most patients that we'd see, and as well as with the younger children, if they had any complaints of abdominal pain, we were able to give them a single dose of this medicine, albendazole, which would then uh, wipe out that parasitic worm infection for the individual at the time. Um, however, though, in the future, um, how to prevent these worm infections from the people of Haiti, one would have to go through with a massive deworming campaign, essentially treating every patient as if they're the host to the parasitic worm with albendazole to clear them of the infection, and then provide the people of Haiti with proper footwear. Um, this is a worm that's transmitted uh, through the soil and as well um, around areas around the river. So most of the people that we've seen in Haiti don't have proper footwear or any shoes at all. So by walking around, uh, you know, in the soil, exposes them to these worms. And a lot of the folks um, don't have running water in their own household, so they walk to and from uh, the river. And in Verrett's, one of the things that's nice is in Verrett's, there's actually a natural spring that one of the local residents was able to tap into and provide essentially uh, pipage of that water from the natural spring across the river and um, uh, to the area where the river bed is so that the villagers can come and get that fresh water directly from the spring that's been piped uh, to them across the river. So it serves as an access point. So water, uh, it sounds like water and maybe general sanitation would be a major concern in Haiti? Uh, correct. So when you look at when you travel to developing nations um, in regards to what are the things that can improve the health care of the individuals there the most, it tends to be things that we in the United States take for granted. So in the United States, we all, or most of us all have water, uh, naturally running water in our household from the faucet. 
as well as the means of disposing of wastewater, which is when we flush our toilet. In Haiti, they don't tend to have naturally running water as far as plumbing, bringing fresh water into their residence, and as well don't have the means of uh, you know, easily disposing of their uh, waste uh, either. So there are areas where there's latrines, where there's uh, places where people can use the, the uh, toilet to dispose of the uh, fecal matter that way. But as well, you know, without the uh, proper sanitation, you're going to see different diseases in Haiti than what you'd see in the United States. So cholera um, is an example of that, that uh, is a, um, you know, a disease that causes nausea and vomiting and at many times severe dehydration from severe diarrhea. So waterborne diarrheal illnesses are common, as well as uh, even mosquito-borne illnesses and as well these parasitic worm infections. Mm -hmm. The overall classification of many of these diseases, they refer to them as tropical and neglected diseases because um, they occur more in the tropical regions of the world and neglected in the sense that uh, they are not really first world diseases. So from a pharmaceutical uh, standpoint, from a treatment standpoint, uh, they tend to be neglected and only prevalent in these third world nations. Do they receive uh, regular care for these types of typical typical diseases there? In regards to the um, soil transmitted helminthic infections or the parasitic worm infections, they do. What tends to happen is there's uh, deworming campaigns that occur through various um, nonprofit organizations and non-governmental organizations that will come through. If the population has at least 25% of the folks there infected with the uh, worms, it's recommended that everyone in that vicinity or community receive uh, a dose of albendazole yearly. And then when the population is greater than 40% that is infected with the parasitic worms, it's recommended they go through with a deworming campaign and treat the population there twice a year. How would you describe uh, overall health care as it's delivered in Haiti? Well, in, uh, in Haiti, the healthcare system um, that we've seen um, is uh, almost as if everyone has access to the healthcare, but then the difficulty is, is the uh, cost of it. So in the town of Verretz, where we visit, there is a um, hospital system there, and the patients are able to see the doctor for, I believe it's uh, 60 goods, which is the equivalent of uh, about uh, one U.S. dollar. And that uh, covers the cost of the healthcare visit with the physician and as well any necessary laboratory work or any type of medications that might need to be prescribed. But again, now we're dealing with folks that um, their daily income is between one to two US dollars per day. And they need that money to also then pay for uh, food uh, for themselves, for their children. So that one dollar is essentially a day salary to then go to be uh, seen by a physician when they're there. When we go with uh, part of Health Corps Haiti, uh, what we do is we work with the existing health care, I'm sorry, the health care infrastructure that's there. We um, are approved by the Department of Health in Haiti and Verretz as far as being able to come in and provide these health care services. And what we do is we create a dossier or paperwork on every patient that we see. And as well, we actually um, pay the physician from Haiti uh, to come and work with us when we're at our mobile clinics. And at our mobile clinics, we do have what's called point of care testing. So we're able to test the blood via a simple finger stick for things such as tuberculosis, HIV. And then as well, if we find these conditions, again, through this population screening, we're able then refer them from our mobile clinic 
to the larger hospital system and say we've identified someone with tuberculosis and as well or someone with HIV and get those folks started on medications. And that will then decrease the rate of transmission of HIV as well as tuberculosis in this country. All right. Now moving a little toward the, the personal side of the trip, uh, Dr. Capagreco, can you describe to us where you stayed, what you ate, what your, how you got around? Yeah, we, uh, we stayed with a local businessman whose name is Tifa. And he's sort of like a, a kind of a prominent figure in that community. He's a role model. He's internationally educated and in animal husbandry and, and, uh, and farming. So he teaches a lot of the other local uh, people in that community and farmers um, farming and, and sustainable farming. Um, so we stayed on his uh, property. Uh, he had a few different buildings, which were basically cinder block buildings with corrugated steel roofs, uh, and a number. And in one of the buildings, there was a number of bedrooms where uh, usually it was two people per bedroom. Uh, stayed on a little mat and and bed with a mosquito net, uh, and then he's actually the one that uh, arranged for the piping from the aquifer. To, so he had clean water at his house and and to the riverbed for the rest of the vigil, uh, villagers. So we stayed with him. Um, he has family and other staff that live there as well, and they provided our three meals a day um, and drinks throughout the day. And uh, it, was, it was actually very nice to spend some time with them and see some of the, uh, the local people. And, and all the other villagers in Verrett's, you know, really had a lot of respect for him. So it, 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 we could, I, could, I could tell immediately that, that he was doing good work for his local community. Did you get by speaking English, or did you need French or Haitian Creole? Um, most people don't speak English. Tifa did speak a little English, but mostly Creole. Um, one of the other staff members for Medical Student Missions uh, is speaks about six languages, and uh, he was very helpful and really took great care of us. But when we were on our clinic days, uh, we had a number of uh, translators who were probably college-age uh, young, young people who... Uh, Whose job, who, who, the, who the mission paid uh, to be translate, translation services f through our clinic days. All right. Why don't you tell me about some of the things uh, that you feel you learned from this trip that you could apply to your work here in uh, Syracuse or elsewhere in the United States? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting because wherever you go, medicine is the same. Uh, and when we're working with fewer diagnostic uh, tests, and everything is clinical, and it kind of gets back to the roots of medicine. And, uh, you know, more than anything, uh, just, just caring for people that are so appreciative cause, and they have no other good resources uh, really is heartwarming for me. From a physician perspective, one of the larger issues that's facing a lot of physicians now in the U.S. healthcare system is it's called burnout where we spend less time with the patient at the bedside, speaking one-on-one -on -one as a physician to the patient, and we spend a lot of time documenting things at the computer with this uh, electronic medical record. Um, for a lot of us that just really enjoy the patient interaction, it's refreshing to go to a community such as Verrett's in Haiti, where there is a need, where the patients are very appreciative of the care we're providing, where we're able to uh, document the care we've provided, but nothing necessarily as extensive as what's required here in the U.S. healthcare system for both purposes of billing and as well for sort of legal protections. Um, in Haiti, it's uh, providing healthcare on the ground level, physician with patient, one-on-one -on -one interactions, and being able to then see that we're helping them directly. And 
then moving on to see the next patient and also provide that care to that next patient coming in to be seen as well. And you expect this to be an ongoing project? This is uh, a continuous project, uh, which is um, quite good for the organization Healthcare Haiti and as well for the people of Verrett's. Um, some of the criticisms of medical missions is that they might go into a community and then sort of um, uh, trample over or uh, interfere with the existing health care or healthcare uh, delivery system. Whereas for us with Healthcare Haiti, we actually work with the existing health care delivery system. We do have a consistency as far as how frequently we go to Haiti. So we go there anywhere from three to four times per year. So there's a consistency that we've you know, entrenched ourselves uh, into the community. And we've been going uh, to Haiti with this organization since 2010. So it's been already now eight years with well over 40 trips under our belt with the anticipation that we're going to continue with these efforts. Um, myself, this had been my third trip to Haiti. My first trip bringing in residents from SUNY Upstate's emergency medicine program. The next trip, which will be in the late May, early June of 2019, I also will intend to bring some students of the Lemoyne Physician Assistant Program. So not only am I a professor here at SUNY Upstate with the medical school, I'm also considered adjunct professor with the Physician Assistant Program at Lemoyne. And I've been working with their administration to uh, create sort of a curriculum for those students to have an elective in this um, type of uh, international medicine experience. And we'll be bringing hopefully about eight students from Lemoyne PA program next year. And as well, our department at the uh, SUNY Upstate Emergency Medicine Department is committed to sending the emergency medicine residents uh, as part of their elective experience uh, to Haiti as part of this ongoing effort. All right. Well, thank you both for sharing your insights on your trip to Haiti and medical care there. My guests have been Drs. Brian Kloss and Joseph Capagreco from the Department of Emergency Medicine at Upstate. I'm Jim Howe for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.